think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, happy Monday, episode 632 of Coach Unplugged. Uh, Before we get started today, um, I'd like to give a big shout out. We're going to talk to a collegiate assistant coach, Jack. Um, I think this will be a, it's a two part today and tomorrow. So I think this will be a great one for our listeners. But before we jump into that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Mention Coach Unplugged and they'll give you $350 off um, your next purchase. And for no other reason, geez, we live in a world where these phones are connected to the, to the player's hands and they can use their phones to run the machine. There's a, there's a reason on its own. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Not only is it videos and handouts and, and office hours and one-on-one calls and videos in a community unlike any others, and my personal email address, um, it is a way for you to give back to Coach Unplugged. So go over and check that out, um, and uh, let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, Jack, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, and then we'll give uh, we'll give a little background story. So it, the way I normally start this is it's very conversational and you'll introduce yourself, give a little background of your like basketball journey. And then um, I'll jump in and give a little bit of background for me on how we met. And then uh, we'll go from there. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your basketball journey for people that are listening. All right. Sounds great. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey, played high school ball in Jersey. Uh, was never really the kind of athlete that was able to make a career playing college ball or go anywhere to play college ball. But I always wanted to go to the University of North Carolina. Uh, So I went down there and majored in business and tried out for the JV team, got cut a bunch of times. But uh, when I was in grad school at Carolina, I was lucky enough to help out with the junior varsity team down there as a graduate assistant coach. Uh, After school, went to work in public accounting for two years and essentially Uh, Got fired twice from two different places, so kind of had to figure out a different way to make a living um, and realized that that's kind of 
the kick that I needed to get back into basketball. So uh, I called the guys at Carolina, and Hubert Davis was nice enough to put me in contact with my current head coach, Bill Robinson, who was at Milligan College. So I just finished my third season at Milligan as an assistant coach, uh, and it was the greatest move that I've ever made. So happy doing it. So, yeah, so it's a door closed and another door opened, basically, is what happened. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it just, uh, I was not happy with doing what I was doing. And it was around uh, March of 2016, I guess. I was sitting there like, all right, well, in the summer, I'll look for a basketball job, but I'll just keep doing what I'm doing until then. And then I just kind of got brought into an office and they fired me on the spot. And I was like, well, I guess I got to have to figure out something different now. So. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories like that I've heard about, you know, especially, I think, Rufus Brad, somebody else that happened to, and it's like sometimes that sometimes it's the kick you need to 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 do something else. Um, Absolutely. So uh, explain explain the the NAIA. Explain some of the stuff that you and I had talked about. We Jack and I had met sitting at the NCAA final final weekend, um, watching some really good basketball. To be honest with you, and uh, we were sitting right next to each other. So explain to people kind of the your school, the NAIA, I think there's a lot of people who don't understand the difference between NAIA and NCAA and kind of, you know, what your responsibilities are being an assistant coach at, at that level. Yeah, sure. The uh, NAIA is just a different governing body for college athletics than the NCAA. It's got a different set of rules that, you know, it doesn't work under the same umbrella. Uh, so there's no, for example, there's no recruiting calendar for NAIA. We can talk to recruits from the time they're freshmen to high school to all the way to the time they're a senior. Uh, there's no contact, non-contact period, anything like that. Um, but we will play NCAA schools. So I'm at Milligan College, which is a small Division two NAIA school in Johnson City, Tennessee. So you, when you say small, how small, how small, how many students go to, to Milligan? About 800 undergrad and 1,200 if you count the grad students. Okay. So it's, it's, there's a lot of high schools out there that are bigger yeah. than Milligan College. It's like the half the size of the one I teach at. Yes. So it's small, relatively small. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we will compete against some Division One NCAA teams. So we'll play UNC Asheville, Troy, William & Mary, uh, App State, teams like that, Middle Tennessee State. Um, we were actually Middle Tennessee State's first home game after they beat Michigan State in the tournament back in okay. 2016, I guess that was. Uh, so we do play a high level of talent. Um, it's just a, a different governing body. So we're in the Appalachian Athletic Conference. The NAI has their own national tournament. There's 32 teams that get to go to the national tournament, Division One, 32 teams that get to go in Division Two, And uh, the NAI is actually going to merge, not next season, but the season after that, from two divisions down to one. So it'll be a 64-team tournament after that. Oh, it will be? Yeah. And is there a Division Three in NAI? No, there's not. So there's only about 70-some-odd teams in Division One, and there's about 155-ish teams in Division II. Um, so that's kind of, I think, part of the reason that they're merging is that 32 teams out of 70-something making the tournament isn't really an accomplishment for Division One. Right. Uh, at the same time, if you add in the Division Two teams, it becomes over 200 teams, and it, that boiled down to 64 is more of a, a better percentage, I guess, to make the postseason. William and Mary's a gorgeous school. My son's looking at William and Mary for to go to school. That's a great school. It really is. My cousin's there right now, actually. He it's loves really it. hard to get into unless you live there, I think. If you're an out-of-state, I think it's even harder. 
Um, I applied. I applied when I was uh, in high school, and they waitlisted me. So that, uh, <laughs> I remember seeing it I mean, in my sweep. I definitely remember seeing it. Um, all right, so good. So that's some background stuff. Um, so let's talk some. Let's talk some basketball stuff. This would be a lot more enjoyable for people to listen to. Do, do you have a? Uh, do you have a coaching philosophy? Well, I'm still pretty young, relatively. So I, you know, kind of just mirror the guys that I've been with. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that have kind of helped me through the right. journey so far. I mean, I grew up playing for my dad. So that's kind of why that I even wanted to get into coaching was that I wasn't just there to play. I kind of, he taught me to think about the game differently. Right. Um, with Carolina, uh, Hubert Davis, like I said, was the head coach of the JV team while I was there. So that style, that kind of Carolina influence is there. And Coach Robinson has the uh, has done Carolina camp since Coach Williams has been back from Kansas. So the last 13, 14, 15 years now. So there's that huge Carolina influence. But one of the things that because we play such a variety of talent here at Milligan, we have to believe in variety and change. We can't do the the Bob Knight. We're going to run the motion offense and we're going to play man to man. And we're just going to be better than that than you are because it's it's not going to happen. We play teams from Middle Tennessee State all the way down to Tacoa Falls Bible College. You can't play the same way against both of those teams and expect to be successful against both. Or be competitive, let alone successful. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we just need to be able to do a bunch of different things and make it hard to prepare against us and be able to kind of control tempo. We want to be able to grind it out and play slower against William & Mary, but at the same time, if we're playing Johnson Bible College, we want to be able to push the pace and try to run a team out of the gym. So, I mean, it helps us when it comes down to our league play because there's a lot of different styles within our league too. And is okay. So th- this intrigues me because I've had this issue with my teams too. So is there a way that you're? I mean, how do you how do you do that? How do you how do you teach your players or coach your players to be able to do the multiple styles like that? Because that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's definitely not. I mean, it's really hard, especially when you have a young team. When you have a young team, you got to spend a lot of time on the way you want things done. And we, we have five or six different sets, and we run a bunch of Carolina secondary stuff. And it, it's kind of kind of like golf, where like sometimes some clubs are working and some clubs aren't working. And then you go to the course the next day, and those other clubs are working, but the ones that were working yesterday aren't working today. And you just kind of have to like piece it together and try to figure out what's working on like a given day. Right. Um, and, we, and, and how do you do you spend a lot of time working on secondary break? Oh, we spend a lot of time working on it. The timing and the way like Carolina runs it, Carolina doesn't need to call anything. Right. It's all done based on the movement of the trail guy and what his action is. Um, but with the way we do it, we have to make a call because our guys grasp that concept yet. Right. Um, so and, we and have so to- you do it. Do you do it? Do you do everything? Um, again, this intrigues me, especially with high school kids when I try to do it. Does this. Um, do you do you do this all in the full court, and you and you have d- different indicators depending on where the spot people go to the spot? Yeah. So the way that we would want to do it, and the way that we like to practice it, is we'll have all five guys in the paint. We'll have the coach shoot a jump shot, and they'll dummy offense, run it down to the other end. So if you have fifteen guys, you do that with three teams. They all run the same thing. The third team gets to watch the first two teams do it. So they kind of have a all right, this is where if they don't know where I'm supposed to be, they kind of have an idea of, okay, I can just watch my guy on my side and figure out where I'm supposed to be. And then we'll go down the other end, we'll shoot the jump shot, and they'll run back the other way and run a different play, run a different different secondary action. So, okay. And how many yeah. di- how many secondary actions do you feel you're good at? Or like, how many do you feel like you can put in and things like that? Well, that's a, we have 10 different calls for the secondaries, and then we have a zone secondary, so I guess 11. 
Um, okay. But the 10 man-to-man ones, they're, they're in two different sets. So if we're in one set, we know that it's only going to be these five plays. And if we're in the other set, we know that it's only going to be these five plays that we're making calls off of just in case it's hard to hear. Or if we say, all right, we're just going to run them in this order, first five times, go. The guys know which – we don't have to say anything, but at the same time they know which call it should be that time down the floor. But we always want our wings to run down to the wings. We want our you know big that doesn't get the rebound to run to the block and try to get that first look in the middle, and then our big that does get the rebound to trail. Um, okay. So the spots kind of fill in and spacing-wise, even if we're not a team that has – like this year we had bigs to be able to run it, and it's very predicated on having – a four and a five that are a distinct four and a five. And, 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 and do they have to be a threat? Like, does the, does, the, does the trailer have to be able to shoot that three? He doesn't have to just because the actions that happen after it, and there's a lot of things that you know, three, four passes in, you're still running that secondary play, that he doesn't have to be a threat, but it certainly helps to be able to stretch that defense a little bit. That's interesting. So, so kind of feeding off this, what, what is, I mean, are you the only assistant? So we have two assistants on staff. One is full-time and one is part-time. So my first year, uh, my first two years, I was the part-time guy. So that essentially meant that I was also working at a golf course in the morning, or I was uh, working at a preschool just as like a teacher's aide in the morning to be able to kind of supplement myself a little bit. Um, But this past year I got moved up to the full-time slot. Well, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. But before you, uh, before you hit pause, before you stop, we would love if you'd go over and leave a review, um, a five-star one. doesn't matter where you're listening to this, if it's Stitcher, if it's iTunes, if it's Acast, if it's Spotify, wherever it is, we would love a review if you could do that for us. Also, uh, we would love if you went over and wanted to become a better coach, wanted to join our community. Um, we are here to help you through this great thing called coaching, which has a lot of obstacles in it. But Teach Hoops is, uh, com is here to help. So go over and check that out. And we'll, uh, we'll, become, uh, we'll become comrades in, in uh, our coaching uh, journey. So go over and check it out. All right, back to the podcast. Okay. And uh, just kind of been able to focus on that. So, so what's, your, what's, your, what's your responsibility as an assistant coach at this level? Like what, what would be your job description? Like, especially at Pratt. So my philosophy really is just basically try to do anything that I can to make the head coach's life easier. Right. See anything that he could potentially see as a problem and fix the problem before it becomes a problem. Um, but as far as like, like actual responsibilities go, uh, I'm player development huge. So if anybody wants to be in the gym at any time, they call me and I can work out with them. You guys call me at one in the morning, two in the morning, be like, Hey, I want to go shoot now and have to get out of bed and go put on some shorts and a t-shirt and go over there and shoot with them. Okay. Um, but it goes from that to scouting. Uh, the two assistants split up the scouting reports and we'll every other game we'll try to do every other game and the head coach will oversee all of it. So we'll give him our report as soon as, so if we play today and my scouting report is for the next game, as soon as that horn sounds and we get into the locker room, he talks to the team and then I hand him the next scouting report so that he can read it on the van ride or the bus ride home. Uh, and then he can prepare his own. He has kind of a skeleton to go off of and what he should, what he's looking for and what he, some, maybe he's, maybe he misses something that'll be in there. Recruiting. I love, that. I love that. I always have my assistants working ahead of me too. So then, cause it's hard to it's it's hard to, you're juggling all that, but that's, that's intriguing that that works the same way. What about during the actual practice? You're just sitting back or he hands you a practice plan. How does that work? So a lot of coaches are different, and I've seen different styles where some coaches are – some head coaches essentially operate like a football coach would, and they have their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, and they – the head coach kind of hangs back 
and kind of manages. Coach Robinson's not like that. His practices are very much his practices. Right. Um, we split it up where I'll work with the guards and the other assistant will will work with the big men when we do breakout stuff like that. Uh, we have defensive stations that we do a lot more in the beginning of the year than we do at the end. Uh, and I'm responsible for a third of the defensive stations. Coach Robinson will take a third. Coach Will will take a third. So the guys will be rotating between us. I'll have the same five stations all year. We'll pick which one we're doing that day and we'll go through. And we do our stations a lot more in the beginning of the year than we do at the end of the year. It's kind of like eating vegetables. We kind of, you do them when you do it when you have to, or when you're not doing something right, right you, kinda, you get forced to do it. <laughs> that but. sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, Oh crap. We're not, we're not hedging on it. Yes. All that stuff is so true. So how's recruiting work? Is that you going and finding the players and then coming back to him or does he have this big swatch and then you go out and, Ooh, I heard about this guy. Go check him out. Or how does that work? It can work both ways. Uh, recruiting at our level is a lot different than the recruiting at the division one level. We have to kind of evaluate anybody that ever wants to send us anything. We get 30 emails every day with kids trying to, really? hey, coach, you know, I, I just want a, an opportunity, you know, just, and, you know, I was that kid, so I understand how it is. I understand what it's like. I'll watch every kid that sends me film. I'll reply to every kid that sends me film. Um, but by and large, Coach Robinson's been doing it so long that he's got contacts everywhere. So he's got guys that look out for him and know what kind of talent that he needs. And can be able to say, hey, you should look at this guy. You should look at that. Uh, we also have a junior varsity team here at Million. Okay. So a lot of my recruiting is basically finding kids for that junior varsity team. So I'll watch a lot of the local high school games in the area and try to find the best high school players in our East Tennessee, Western North Carolina area. Give them opportunities to fill them up. So, so let's say, let's say I, let's say I'm a high school kid and I, and I, um, and I send you that, uh, and then I decide, hey, I want to go to school there. But then, I, and I get in, and I go. Can I? Can I, I? I can make a team, probably. Thing is that we don't have walk-on tryout here. Ah. So everybody that we have is on some about. kind of scholarship. Okay. Even, even, our, JV even our JV players, yeah, get something for playing basketball here. Ah. It's a it's a different model in that respect. The NAIA Division Two right now allows for seven scholarships, whereas obviously Division One NCAA is thirteen. We have to spread those seven amongst our team, our varsity team, and our JV average is set by the school, so we can give out JV money based on the average that the school allows us to give. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. Okay. And what do you look for in a recruit? So our four pillars uh, that we kind of pride ourselves on and the things that we look for when we're evaluating is, can you guard the ball? Can you keep it in front of you? <laughs> That's my favorite quote. You are who you can guard. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> you it, are it, the coach uh, Steve Robinson at North Carolina has a saying that, you know, sometimes you just got to sit down and guard somebody like there's just like, there's just right. no way around it. You just right. have. Number two for us is, can you play without turning it over? Obviously a huge key. Number three, can you shoot it? Steve Robinson quote, can't shoot, don't recruit. It's becoming a different game now. I mean, it's just, everybody's being able to shoot the basketball. So it's our, our stretch four is probably our best three-point shooter by percentage this year. It's just a different game than it was even 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, um, really. And then our fourth one is, can you play with a sense of urgency? And we have a sign in our locker room that has all four of those things on there. And it's the first thing the guys see when they walk in the door of the locker room. And what was the first one? Uh, can you guard the basketball? Can you guard the ball? Can you guard the ball? Can you not turn it over? Play without turning it over. Uh, can you shoot it? Can you and shoot. can you play with a sense of urgency? So those four things. 
are our keys. I, oh, I think they are too. I think they are too. And and so so what happens when these kids when you get these thirty emails? You you what kind of tape do you like to see? Do you like to see game tape? Do you like because I tell the kids highlight tape is useless because I can make you look like LeBron James in a highlight tape. You know? Well, see the I we like highlight tape from the perspective of like we can tell within the first five plays that the kid puts on there if it's right. worth more. And if right. it's worth seeing more, then we want to see a full game. We want to be able to see, you know, all okay. the all the misses, all the warts, everything like that. With the volume, the sheer volume of film we have, it's it would be impossible for us to watch a full game on every kid. So you so do you get those tell. where like he looks super he oh, he's super athletic. He looks like a great talent on highlight tape. And then you get a full game and you're like, Oh, he's not doing much for most of this game, you know? Right. So or he he's not playing any defense whatsoever important to see both sides of it but we do like highlight film from the perspective of it's easiest to get through a lot of it and eliminate a lot of it based and go off. fast yeah yeah, I, yeah that makes sense that and the, and the bad the, i think the funny part is when they send you tape and they're not playing defense that means that th- they, they think that's their good game oh yeah that's, <laughs> well, that's the other thing too is that they're like oh hey i had 27 this game like yeah you had 27 but the guy you're guarding at 29 so I right mean, it doesn't that doesn't matter as much um, that, that math doesn't work out what do you find the hardest thing to teach at practice? Probably, probably defense. Uh, and we're a very good defensive team. We led the league in defensive field goal percentage and the fewest points per game this year. Uh, but it's it's a mentality more than anything else. And it's hard for kids, especially the ones coming out of high school. You know, coming out of high school, everybody was a rock star. Everybody that's playing in college was a rock star in high school. There wasn't a kid in high school that's, you know, was the – the role player that's now playing for us and making a huge impact. Right. Uh, so it's very hard to get the kids that were scoring 25, 30 points a game to realize that that doesn't matter to us right now. You have to sit down and you have to play defense and you have to learn to play defense the way that we want you to play defense, which right. is probably different than the way you learned it in high school. Playing time obviously is a huge deterrent. And when you take a kid out for not playing defense, he starts to get the memo a little bit quicker than he does in practice. Um, but you are what you preach. So, and you are what you genuinely start with what you put first in your practice is going to be prioritized in their minds subconsciously more than what you put last so if you spend the whole first half of practice working on your offensive stuff and then throw your defense in for 20 minutes at the end they're going to think that it doesn't matter to you it's kind of the what we like to start with the transition drill and then go right into our defensive stuff and so so that's a that's a good lead into so in your practice, how do you break up your practice? Like, is it is it two hours every day? Is it and how do you compartmentalize? Do you do you do one thing at a time? Do you do break defense, offense, specials? I mean, how do you break? How do you guys normally break up your practice? That intrigues me. It's different every day, and uh, it's different at the beginning of the season than it is at the end of the season. We'll be a lot longer in length in practice at the beginning of the year. The NAI allows us to start practice on September first for oh, the most God. part. It's 24 weeks from the conference tournament or what your last game would be. So go to that point on the calendar and then go backwards 24 weeks, and that's when you can start. So we started September 1st this past year, and that allows us, because we run a lot of stuff, it helps because it gives us six weeks to just put stuff in and have guys learn things that the Division One teams don't have when they start October 15th. Those first six weeks of practice, uh, it, it's brutal because the guys will get tired of each other and they'll be tired of hitting each other. Um, but at the same time, it's key for us because it helps us do that. We'll usually start practice every day. Uh, our strength and conditioning coaches who are masters and doctoral students at East Tennessee state, it's part of their program. They're not paid by our staff or our school, but they're doing it as part of their 
like uh, it's like student teaching kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And we get some good guys. Uh, some of the guys that went through Milligan as strength and conditioning coaches uh, are now the strength and conditioning coach for basketball at Virginia Tech, strength and co- conditioning coach at Murray State. So, um, uh, so can you think of one coaching moment that 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 would that would help another coach that's listening to this? Something that's happened, a game, a practice, a moment in your career? Yeah, I mean, uh, kids just they're all different. And the mentality for a lot of them is different. We have a kid who's probably the most physically gifted athlete that I've ever seen. Um, Division one caliber body. And he just, he's still learning the game. Right. He's a shooter that without thinking about it, could shoot it from 45 feet just consistently and just not have a problem. Just, you know, he gets in his own little zone and he can get out there and he can make 25 threes in a row but sometimes he gets in a game and he gets down on himself and it's just right. one of those things where he, he just, he falls into a rut and he can't get back out of it. And they, they notice how you feel about them. They notice your body language toward them. They notice every little thing that you say to them. So we were in conference tournament this year, uh, first round of the conference tournament. And, but by that point of the year, you know, you, you whittle your rotation down from 12 to 10 to eight. So we're playing about eight, eight deep and he's one of the top eight he's coming off the bench he's he's our best pure shooter but he's coming off the bench he's oh for his first three and he's coming to the bench his you know head's hanging down we come out after halftime and uh he goes to check in and i go over to him and i said you're the best shooter in this friggin' conference and i just wish for one time in your life you believe me and he just kind of looked at me and he walked on the floor and he hits his next two shots and that <laughs> helps us you know it that's obviously all him hitting the shots i'm not taking credit for t- hitting the shots but at right. the same time like stuff like that as an assistant it's really big to be able to just pump positivity into your guys right Um, hey everybody i hope you enjoyed that podcast make sure you subscribe and like make sure you leave a review down below um we really do appreciate those no matter where you listen go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better i know you want to become a better basketball coach and again if you're maybe you're done with podcasts you're going shopping now go down and click on our amazon link and uh, do some shopping that would we would really appreciate that All right. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.